0: a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a writer and friends with some revelations. Little more. Know- Guys, before I share this next conversation, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who have continued to support the podcast with your monthly donations. And for anyone who also wants to support it, it's really easy. All you do is go to littleknownfactspodcast.com and you'll see that there's a contributions page when you look at the homepage menu. And it explains how to donate. And when I say no donation is too small, I really mean it. Even a dollar a month will make a huge difference in my being able to share these episodes with you every week. So thank you to those who have already given. Thank you in advance to those who might contribute in the future. And without further ado, here's the next episode of Little Known Facts. Enjoy. Little known fact about my guest today, she's an actress that I love to watch so much. On Broadway, her credits include The Crucible, Desire Under the Elms, Major Barbara, and The Scottish Play. On film, she stars in Don Peyote with dan fogler she was on law and order svu strangers with candy and many other television shows but the most incredible thing is a few years ago she really wanted to start concentrating on writing and not only did she do that she has transitioned to being one of the writers on my favorite television series dead to me and i am so thrilled to talk with my guest today about the transition from acting to writing, not that she can't go back and forth for the rest of her life doing both magnificently. But today we get to deep dive with her about the show Dead to Me. And I'm so thrilled to welcome Kelly Hutchinson to the podcast. Kelly Hutchinson, before you came on, Um, I recorded some of your acting credits uh, because not only are you the writer of one of the hottest shows ever to be on television, you have this incredible acting career that exists, can exist in the future. But I'm really curious um, and wondering if you might, for this episode, do a deep Mm -hmm. dive with me into this incredible show, Dead to Me, uh, that you are one of the scribes of, um, mm-hmm. my sweet friend, you've left me and our city of New York to go to LA because your dear friend, Liz Feldman, who you've known for how many years? Twenty, Like 25 years. Which is incredible. Yeah. Had an idea for a TV show uh, called Dead to Me and was like, hey, Kelly, do you want to ride <laughs> on it with
1: me? Basically, yeah. It's nuts. So,
0: and I thought what would be really fun mm-hmm. is... Because I haven't done this before, sort of the anatomy of a television show, sort of, you know, as actors, you and I were always on the other side of all of this. And yeah. um, kind of it's like just such an incredible fantasy. Like, what if I saw the sort of the whole inside of how something is made and you just got to do that twice? And twice, I'm yeah. Sure you're gonna be doing it again because the show is just so beloved. So Talk me through it. First of all, how do you know Liz Feldman? Okay, I
1: know Liz Feldman because we were roommates in college. Um but I met her through oh my god, everything goes back to Dan Fogler. Because Dan and Liz were best friends in high school uh in Brooklyn, New York. And I Dan Fogler was in my class at BU and during our freshman year his best friend came up to visit who was Liz and we got along great and she was she's actually a year younger than me so the next year she decided to come to BU and uh, as a communications major we were all acting majors and um we had become friend, then we became friendly over our sophomore year, more and more friendly, or my sophomore year, her freshman. And then we ended up being roommates um our junior and senior year, and like just best friends and uh have remained so ever since.
0: And was Liz also thinking about being an actress at that time, or was she always more <sighs> writing-centric? She was
1: always writing-centric, but she's also an incredible. Performer, she's Mm -hmm. an incredible improviser. She was a stand-up comedian when she was like a kid, so she was always like a little bit, you know, into the like.
0: What do you mean? Like a kid? (laughs) That's not like a
1: shame. She's going to be like, you're telling total lies, but I believe she was like 14 or something because she lived in Brooklyn and she had an agent, you know, like one of those agents that like works with like teens and whatever. And she would like, I think she like performed at Caroline's and stuff when she was like a 14 year old kid. So, you know, she she always seemed very savvy um, to me in that way and always knew she wanted to work in television. She loves television. She loved television and that was always her passion. But she, and then she, um, when she moved to LA, she was in the Groundlings. She, she, the Groundlings program and, you know, she was very much super involved in that world, um, while also continuing to write.
0: And did you stay in touch with each other? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean,
1: yeah, no, like, <laughs> yeah, all, yeah.
0: it's one through line. Like it's not like, and then we lost touch. Like you guys no. have been besties all these years.
1: Yeah. Basically we were really lucky to have a kind of a Maybe five or six girlfriends that were really, really tight um, in college, and stayed that way, even though Liz was always living in Los Angeles, and I, for Mm the you know most part, was always living in New York.
0: Yes, because you were acting, and and I was acting. You were acting and being amazing on stage and working with all these incredible directors and things like The Crucible, for example. (laughs) Um, I have a really important question to ask you before we get deep into Dead Sheen, which is one of your credits is the Scottish play. Yeah, dude. Are you allowed to say the actual name of that play? I Um, never say it. Okay, because I didn't even say it in the intro. I was so scared.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I remember being young and some older actor like didn't say it. And I was like, What are you doing? That's so lame. And like, we were in a restaurant. We weren't even in a theater. Now, cut to, I am that old lame-o that's like, yeah, I can't. I just can't do it.
0: You can't say it's- it on a podcast. Like, my whole house would blow up.
1: <laughs> I wonder, do you think that younger people feel like that? Does everybody? Or is that just us? Cause like from the old times?
0: You know, I think they do because I just did a play and some of the cast members were like 25 and under. Yeah. And I think. For some reason I mentioned I started to mention, and by the way, was never gonna say the name of the play. I think no. I was like
1: You're not crazy.
0: No, because Frank, you know, the glorious actor who starred in this play, had to get like blood put on him during intermission. And oh, I'm so I was sad always, I didn't see it. This play oh, sounds great. It was really good. And I was always like, Oh damn like just stupid <laughs> intermission stuff. And I felt like everyone got so tense. Like that's all she's going to say, right? Like she's just going <laughs> to out damn spot and then going to move on. And even the younger people were like, mm, "My acting teacher said that you can't." So I yeah, think Liz I get be freaking cool. tense. I really do. I, I really can, do. Anyway, we let's no. move on from that. But the point is, Liz was sneaking into clubs and doing doing stand up sets. Yeah. Here.
1: <laughs> she was barreling onto yeah exactly. She was a tiny baby Lenny Bruce, oh, um, just killing the New York comedy scene. Yeah,
0: but oh. you have this incredible innate sense of storytelling and structure that I really know. has blown me away since I've known you. And so it's no it's no surprise to me that Liz Feldman would recognize that <laughs> for you because she's such an intimate friend. Yeah 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 yeah. It's yeah. hard to bring someone on a fancy show that doesn't have a television- A ton of fancy credits, yeah. Yes, and she made
1: that happen. I know, I know, and I'm so grateful and will forever be so, so grateful. But it's crazy, when we were in college even, Liz was like, you should write, you should be a writer. You know, and I feel like that always remained in the back of my head. And then in my, you know, early 30s or whatever, I went back to school for writing. I was like, maybe, yeah, maybe Liz was right, you know? And so it's kind of weird how it all came together in this, you know, stew that's dead to me. Um,
0: so, yeah, when I'm you get, so like she gets her show greenlit, was it a pilot or was it straight series for the first <sighs> season?
1: So she, um, she had, uh, developed the idea for a little bit, but it was just a pitch. Like she just wrote a really amazing kick-ass pitch and, uh, Netflix, uh, had her write the pilot based on the pitch. And she wrote the pilot and then they picked it up to series. So they never shot a pilot and then decided, you know, for it to go to series. They mm-hmm. knew they knew from her writing the pilot that they were going to shoot, you know, 10 episodes.
0: So when she brings you on board, is the pilot already written or are you involved yeah. in the writing of the pilot?
1: Nope. The pilot was totally already written. Um, there was a few things that we went back as a room and kind of tweaked, um, you know, once we kind of knew some other story points that we wanted to bring in. for But for a most the most part, like what you see on screen is what Liz had already written and had taken to Netflix before we even got in the room. So it was so, so strong, obviously, what she had already set up.
0: So can we talk a little bit about casting and how you guys uh, came up with the dynamic duo that is Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini?
1: Sure. I mean, we honestly just got so... So (laughs) lucky, Mm -hmm. like when we started writing, um, we had nobody. Nobody was cast, you know, and so, and there were so many different ideas. I mean, at one point, like uh, Steve, who James Marsden played, was a totally different type of character. Um, You know, we were really kind of just messing around in the muck for a while. Um, Was it ever like
0: Betty White and Linda Lavin as best (laughs) friends? Well, you know, they were, they were, they're
1: obviously very similar to mine and Liz's ages, yes. you know, in our 40s. But yes. there were times when we had discussed like, oh, well, should we go a little younger? And they were like, no, no, no. Like this feels so specific to what we feel and what people of our age seem to feel. So we want to keep it like that. And then um, Christina Applegate came on board and Liz had actually known Christina a little bit. They were they were trying to develop something else together at one point. So I think when her name came up, Liz was kind of like, oh my God, that's kind of kismet because I had had this other thing with her. And then when she, she shortly after she came on, Linda came on. And I mean, we were just.
0: And are there we so offers lucky. or are there auditions involved for, for offers? They, they were offers. Okay. And yeah. offers without like hearing them read a word or meeting or them meeting each other like how how did you know this chemistry would be off the charts i mean we didn't we didn't at all like mm-hmm.
1: we were just so lucky and they're both so unbelievably talented obviously you know but they do really have such a spark together and they they feed off each other so well and they get along great and they love each other and we're just we that's that's a kind of like magic stuff that i I feel so also like you could never predict it. You don't know. Um, and so we just got incredibly lucky.
0: Did they know each other before this
1: project? You know, I don't know. I, I think they might've met before, but I don't think that they had ever worked together before, but I'm not positive about that.
0: And did you guys meet Linda and Christina before the first episode was written, but after, But so the post-pilot episode, that got written once you knew they were in it?
1: No, I think we had written at least probably eight episodes before we knew who was playing Jen and Judy. So, obviously, like for example, yeah,
0: written for their voices.
1: No, no, and but then they became those people, you know, uh, obviously to us, and so. Writing the second season was very different and uh, rewarding in that way because we could say, oh, you know, like now we could picture Christina and hear Christina and Linda and know their dynamic together. And that, of course, helped us so much in the writing.
0: Okay, but you're telling me that season one (laughs) was not written like spoon fed into your brains after (laughs) meeting with Christina and Linda to kind of flesh out the characters.
1: No, we just wrote for a long time in the room, just thinking of Jen and Judy as just Jen and Judy, but without any, um, you know, faces or vibe, you know, vibe more than what, than we had created attached to them.
0: Were you Jen and Judy? Like when you first wrote it, were you Judy and Liz is Jen? I or mean, a circa? little. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> obviously,
1: <laughs> <So> not, <laughs> neither of us are completely Jen or Judy, but there's a lot of, I think both Jen and Judy in both of us, but I, yes, I, I think I'm more of the Judy and, and Liz is more of the Jen. <laughs> and that was helpful. Yes, definitely helpful because a lot of, and Liz says this, like, you know, the way that they talk to each other, the friendship, it was so important to us and is it was based on not just our friendship, but like all of the ladies that we are friends with in our lives and the way that we all kind of really get a kick out of each other. And, you know, there's so much, you know, validation, like you're doing amazing. You're a great person. Don't hate yourself. You know, like all the stuff that we do with each other. And so we just wanted them to kind of have that familiarity with each other, even though they were not old friends, but just immediate. And, And we, we thought, Oh, maybe that seems like something we haven't really seen before. And, uh, and so that was a big, that was a big thing we wanted to do. And I think, you know, I think it, I think it worked out.
0: And so if I imagine the pitch, which is, you know, the the elevator pitch is like two women meet in a grief support group, become friends. And then it turns out one of them killed the other person's husband, right? Yes, exactly. Like, is, was that the pitch? I don't know
1: what Liz's logline was, but I would imagine... It was something close to that. Yeah. I mean, I think with also knowing that Jen is an angry person and has a right to be, you know, and that Judy was always coming from a place of trying to do the right thing, but often, you know, making the wrong decision.
0: So you come on after the pilot is written so that the setup of this specific kind of bereavement group and this specific sort of Los Angeles feeling to what that group would feel like. Um, The single mother aspect of it, this woman going through, uh, in fact, not in, she sort of did have every right to be in that grief bereavement group because of all the losses of all of her miscarriages that she had, right? And that's another reveal that happens that actually she is legit there. She's just not telling people the truth about why she's there. Right. Um, people season one were in the writer's room?
1: I believe we had eight writers, but I was, you know, it was my first writer's room. And so I was like, what is this going to be like? And I I remember thinking like, okay, don't be too familiar with Liz. Like, Mm -hmm. don't be, you know what I mean? And, but that all went out the window, like legit day three. Like, I think I was like, Lizzie, I don't understand why blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just so hard when you have 20 years of friendship to. Of course you know, suddenly try to put on a different mask, but we had, we had such incredible writers on both seasons and yeah, I'm pretty sure we had eight our first season.
0: Um, Was there anyone else in the first writer's room that also had already known Liz before this job? I'm pretty
1: sure. I'm, I'm almost positive that every single person had met with her, like, you know, had interviewed for the job, but I.
0: Not written with her before. No. No. Okay. So what happens? Like, the pilot is written, you all read it. Did Liz have a series arc already planned out, or is that something that was developed in the room? Liz
1: knew a couple of episodes. Like, she knew that there would be the grief retreat, that episode five would be the grief retreat, um, and uh, some other plot points um, for the first season. But it ended up changing, uh, you know, dramatically when we all started discussing it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So, how does it work? Like, can you walk us through, like, you know, those Facebook masterclasses? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm Kelly Hutchinson, and I'm going to, and this is my masterclass.
1: I could try, <laughs> but my experience, yes. I feel like, is so unique because this is the only quote unquote writer's route, you know, that I've ever been in. And I know that they all have different um, vibes and, uh, you know, like, structure even a little bit. But for this it was um it was really cool because the show is so much about grief and loss um and friendship that we all told we did talk a lot about ourselves and told personal stories uh, mm-hmm. you know, for like maybe the first week or so because none of us knew each other and um and so a lot of that stuff did end up informing, you know, different story beats or things that happened later in the season. But you just really just start sandboxing, you know, and be like, okay, here we are. We know at the end of the of the pilot, most people are going to be like, wait, is Judy crazy? What did we just see? So we kind of knew then, okay, episode two, we have to unpack the question of like, is Judy, Judy crazy? You know, and, and through our discussion through the first season, I think that's when we started to find like the twists. Like, I don't think Liz or any of us were like, oh, there'll be, I don't even know, but like two twists per episode or something. That was never mm-hmm. like a thing that... I feel like the form of the show, we had no idea what it was going to be and it just kind of, yeah, evolved.
0: Exactly. The number of twists and turns (laughs) is so insane. There's a lot. Right? I mean, so are you like, okay, but what if, and then like, how, did you all have brains that were like, were you all Agatha Christie lovers? Not at all. What's no,
1: I would say a majority of people were just like comedy writers. I mean, I don't, you know, especially the first season, I, there wasn't a ton of, you know, uh, twisty turny specialists or anything. It just started to kind of happen. Or again, we'll be like, oh, and then we'll reveal, you know, and uh, Steve is in the car or whatever the first thing we thought of.
0: And we didn't like, even know that. Like when you guys first started writing it, you you guys didn't even know that she wasn't alone in the car.
1: no. No.
0: Uh-uh. How did that happen? Who thought of that?
1: <laughs> I think I think at one point, like I think we were discussing that, like how much, what's the audience going to think about Judy, you know, and how how much blame are they going to place on her? And then when we started developing her and Steve's relationship a little bit, I think I don't remember, so I don't want to credit someone. Definitely not me, sure. but I think <laughs> Abe Sylvia, I would say, I think Abe, who is um, incredible, said like, no, no, Steve was in the car. You know, and, and he was yelling at Judy and then we were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that just became a little bit of the model, I think, with how then we were like, oh, and then we'll reveal this little bit and this little bit, you know, throughout the season.
0: And so are you assigned a character that you're kind of responsible for? Like I'm the voice of Judy. I'm the voice of. No. Yeah. No. So everyone writes for everybody. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. And, and some people will just be kind of have a better, I don't know, vibe on a character's voice than, and, and, and then oftentimes, like, especially later on in the season when we're doing punch-ups or we're going over it, it'll be like, oh, you know, Liz, why don't you take blank? Cause you, you have like a beat on them that is helpful. And so we would sometimes do that, but um, no, by and large, we all r- write all the characters.
0: Okay. And so you're in the room and and is there like a blackboard or a whiteboard, yeah. I should say, and sort of, can you just describe the room and what it looks like and, and how each writing session or day's work would begin?
1: Our first season, um, and a similar room in our second season, but first season, we all sat around basically like an oval conference table. And we sat in the same seats mostly every day. And uh, there's, yes, we had like two or three huge whiteboards that as we broke the season got filled up. Um, and mostly we'd work from like 10 30 to six or so, like that was our vibe. But, um, and sometimes, or most of the time, Liz would kind of bring in an idea of like, okay, here's where I feel like we were yesterday and this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is where I think we should focus and kind of direct, I would say our session for the day. Um, and, and that's, that's really what it is for a long time, just trying to figure out what the story is going to be, the big story, and then and then breaking it down into smaller beats throughout the months that we're writing it.
0: So you, I know you had written, you've written some screenplays. I know you had written a pilot. Yeah. So you had an idea or or more than one. I'm just aware of the one that I read that you wrote. Yeah. Um, so I know that you understood the structure of it. How did you sit there going like like trying to look at someone else's paper or did you like wait what did she say how do we <laughs> I mean no but, but it, was,
1: it was great to like because I, I learned so much of course like all these great writers and I and I did I was like oh I see how that is the voice of the show. And this is not, and like, I think what's really fun, especially getting to work on the first season of a show is that like, you're kind of all finding the voice together. So I didn't feel like I had to play catch up as much as I'm sure I would, if I came into like, you know, the fifth season of parks and rec or something, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh God, Oh God, they all have a language. And I, yeah. I don't know that yet. You know, like, so I feel incredibly lucky that that was my first kind of time at bat because um, I got to learn the language along with, Everybody else in a lot of ways, and um, and yeah, I definitely would read other all the other writer scripts and be like, oh, I see how they did her. Even the outline, you know, I was like, I don't exactly know if I'm doing this right, you know. And so just trying to follow what someone else had done and be like, okay, okay, I think I, I think I know, you know. But it's yeah, yeah constantly evolving.
0: How did the idea came up for the Christian rock group? How did that sort that,
1: of that was Abe Sylvia. He had been in a like a dance uh, team in his high school. I think they were called like the Lincoln Cadillacs or something. Like that. Oh, I know I'm saying that wrong, but, uh, and he was like the only boy, but he was super into it. And he's, he used to, he was a Broadway performer as well. Um, he's an incredible performer and dancer. And, um, and so he just got up and started doing the choreography to like you sacred thing. I think he literally did like a full minute of choreography and we were like, that's incredible. Like, yes, let's do that. <laughs>
0: And it remains like, especially in season two, like it's so incredibly um, it's such a great centerpiece for that little boy. And it's such a great addition to the cast and Jen, you know, Christina's friendship with him.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: So in season two, this remarkable thing happens. It's almost like Dallas where (laughs) Bobby comes out of the shower and you're like, oh, my God, it's Patrick Duffy. He's back. <laughs> yep. um, when we end season one, uh, Steve is no longer with us.
1: Yes. You see, he <laughs> yes. he appears to have suffered
0: an injury. Yes. He appears to have suffered an injury and fallen into a pool. Yes. Um, and in season two, this remarkable thing happens, which just everyone shook at that <laughs> moment when that door opens, it's really the greatest thing ever. So how did that come about?
1: That came about because, first of all, James Marsden is so incredibly talented and such a wonderful person. And we just loved him so much. And he's such a great, great, guy an actor and um he had written Liz an email actually kind of joking like well if Steve can come back from a head injury or whatever let me know <laughs> you know something like that yeah. and and Liz yeah. and I were actually at a we were having coffee and and Liz was telling me about this email and we were like oh James we love James and then like literally we looked at each other at the same minute and went twins and then mm-hmm. we started to laugh because we were like that's I, completely that's ridiculous, ridiculous. like yes. But it kept, then we, but then we both, I don't know how, but we we both knew like that then the, we were like, the pilot ends with knock, knock, and we kept calling it knock, knock, Mark, because that was Ben, that was Steve, that was Ben's, that was Steve's twin's original name was Mark. <laughs> and so, and Mark, yeah, and we just started laughing so much. And, you know, Liz was like, I like it. And then she asked the room about it. And every, I believe like every single person was like, yeah, I love it. And then from that on, we just were like, okay. You know, we're doing it, and but Liz also was so mindful um, of the fact that it had to then be, that character had to be so grounded that, you know, we could only kind of have one of those chips to play. Like, all right, if you're playing twin, then everything else has got to make, you know, has just got to be very, very real. And thank, you know, and also James is so good. I I felt like that I forgot, you know, I really did that he was Steve too. Like, he's just so, such a good actor that um,
0: yeah, I think he yeah. makes it work. No, I do too. Because at first you're like looking at his hair a lot, going, yeah. "Okay, so it's just the hair and like the flannel versus the you know thousand dollar shoes." But yeah. it really does become remarkable. I want to go back to the first table read where everyone is assembled for the first time, mm-hmm. and you realize what you have. And can you take me back to the to the first time you're all there together? I think, um,
1: you know, we were in awe immediately of how incredible Linda and Christina were and how amazing they were together, literally from the jump, you know, and they're both great improvisers. Like a lot of the funniest lines are, is, are things that they just say, you know, it's really? yeah, I mean, the, so they do, they do a lot of improv, um, and they're both incredible at it. Um, and so That's I think- lucky. Yes, I know. And that wasn't something we thought. It just, there's, yeah. you know, they're just magic. They're just magic, uh, talented angels. Um, and so they have both had such a, such long sto- you know, and played so many different things. Like, it's like so gratifying as an actor to see them because they're both so good and just know, like you know like they have done it you know like and it's like watching like really a truly like two masters of the craft like i'm always like how are they doing this you know and I, as an
0: actor i'm like and what are like they doing and well how are they doing that how are they so emotionally available how are they so funny how are they so gorgeous i know that's the most annoying part oh they're probably how- so, so glowing <laughs> i'm like what like per- yes like they're just stunningly beautiful. And the show makes everyone look so real and natural. Like it seems so minimalist in terms of hair and makeup. I don't know if that's true or not in terms of the vanity or lack thereof of your actresses, but it doesn't come off that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I I think that was like something. Yeah. We wanted them to look like, you know, regular people as beautiful, beautiful people, (laughs) obviously. Um, But I know it's just every time I watch them at the monitors, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how they're that good. Like I can't, I can't even dissect it. They're just so good.
0: And in terms of like lines, does everyone, are people coming in like super prepared or is it a little relaxed because they know they can improvise? Really sort of prepared. What's the...
1: I, I would mm-hmm. say really, I, I mean, there's not a lot of improvising that goes on, like I would say within scenes or with other characters even as much, but really it's like when Jen and Judy maybe get on a riff about something, you know, that that's when they're, Stuff will come in, um, but no, it, it's pretty, yeah, people are people are extremely prepared.
0: But The other thing that seems, like, I really noticed because I was watching with a 16-year-old, yeah. especially season two, um, talk to me about the drinking, because there is so much alcohol. Like, I really thought if I drank along with the show, <laughs> how wasted yeah and I'm just wondering what that is and I know it's something that bonds people Mm -hmm. and it's social and you don't see Judy or Jen's characters driving they're not driving when drinking right but she's, and I know she suffered a huge loss in losing Ted Mm -hmm. and I know Judy has suffered a huge loss both relationship wise and clearly always family wise she's such a drifter yeah But, um, and then in season two, there's the introduction of Pot and this unbelievably sexy, incredible actress. Is it Natalie Morales? Yeah, she's the best. She's the best. And that's such a fabulous, you know, twist. Mm -hmm. And also just so, it kind of happens in such an organic, real-time way. Yeah. Um, And that's really beautiful. And like adds another fantasy layer to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, But I did want to talk a little bit about what you thought about all of the alcohol.
1: Well, it's interesting. You know, I think when we were, especially in season two, trying to put our heads into like, okay, you know, how do they feel? What what are they going to do? Like, what would be your first impulse in this situation? You know, and I think maybe just from our particular writer's room, and if you had a diff- different writer's room, it might be totally different, but we're like, I would definitely be drinking. I would definitely be freaking out <laughs> wanting to not be where right, I was, right. you know? And so I think it's, it's just to let the, they're under so much pressure that I yeah. it just feels kind of the na- like the natural, at least in their world, go-to to let the steam out, you know? And I think that that became, you know, just one of our kind of go-tos in the way of like, okay, now we're going to see Jen and Judy have their like time together, you know? And it would be so often at night, it'd be so often after something stressful that I think, you know, that alcohol just came to, it certainly wasn't something like we planned to do. It just kind of evolved. And it's funny people talk about, it I'm like, Oh, are they drinking a lot? I like, I guess so.
0: Well, you know how, like when you're in a certain situation. So if I was watching the show with you, right. I don't even know that I would be particular. I mean, it's obviously part of the like pastiche. Yeah. Like it is, it, that's it's the common thing. Yeah. 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 Um, but you're suddenly watching with a team oh, because yeah. the show worked. I was like, you know, Georgia, you shouldn't be. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Like, first of all, it's not real, and second of all, they committed murder, so they're It's like different, right? It's different. if You murder someone, right. and then if you like bury them.
1: <laughs> and I think what's interesting about those women, and you know, is that they're not perfect. Like they are, they're they make mistakes a lot. You know, and yeah. and some people would could describe drinking that amount of alcohol. <laughs> As a mistake, but I'm also like, Oh, I understand it is they are
0: They're through. doing great, they're still getting a lot done. They're doing great, so yeah, tell me a little bit about the physical um faces that you work in and how what we see is made. Um,
1: well, mo- yeah, most of our stuff is um is shot on a stage, and that is something we try to take into consideration when we're writing, you know, is to for, for cost product for the production of the you know, uh, cost of production, we try to. Keep it on our sets as much as we can, but of course they're going to go outside. You know, at least they used mm-hmm. to be able to go outside. Um, and so, uh, like you, I was saying before, you know, we have Jen's basically the entirety of her house is on a soundstage, as well as part of her backyard, um, and it's all based on this real house that we shoot uh, the exteriors at in Sherman Oaks. And we even our the production team built a guest house in this woman's backyard. So it will you know, because we knew Judy lived in the guest house, to, so it would match. And I mean, they're just like inc- they are incredible. These what these guys do is is amazing. Um, but like our police station was on a set we shot um, a lot in San Pedro, um, like the the grief group exteriors, and because it is nice, you know, when your our show takes place in Laguna, to have those kind of you know beautiful apartments that Jen shows or beautiful shots. Of the yeah, water. so beautiful. So, nice. so we're so lucky to get to do some by the beach stuff, but yeah, by and large, uh, you know, I would say at least half the week we're on our sets
0: before I let you go. Do you have like a memory or two that you can share that really stand out of something that happened, um, this season or last season that are sort of like these beautiful memories of shooting or hilarious things or mishaps? Oh my God. Um, I'm like
1: what I think, I think what stand out to me the most are when I'm sitting at the monitors with the next to Liz and I look over and I'm like, I cannot believe that this is happening. You know, I mean, or just seeing our, like the names on our chair side, by, you know, I see like Liz Feldman Kelly Hutchinson, like someone who I've like loved, you know, for so long. And I mean, it's, it's her show and I'm so grateful that I get to do it with her. It's such a, I know how unique and rare an experience that is. And I'm, I'm so, so grateful. So like to whenever, like when you said that, I just thought of like us in a, in a random supermarket, you know, like sitting freezing cold in like the beer aisle, you know, and just laughing about something ridiculous with our, and being like, Oh my God, I can't believe like this is actually happening. So that's like, that's always like the kind of pinch me moments that, that that when, you know, when we're in the stress of making the show or we're like, Oh my God, how are we going to do this? And then I'm like, this is so cool. You know? And the fact that it's about female friends, I just feel like so, you know, hashtag blessed to be super lame about it, but that's, you getting to make art with your friend, it's just, oh, oh, it's really nice. I know. (laughs)
0: i know yeah no not to be the, the nerd but you know no, yeah. but i get it i feel that way just talking to you for an hour i can't even i'm so jealous of liz that she gets you <laughs> all that time no, i know
1: i just love a lady friendship so much and so yeah. to get to do a show with a lady friend that celebrates lady friends i'm like oh man yes yes thank please man.
0: i cannot thank you enough oh my god well, first of all for being an incredible friend and an incredible human, and then for your talent to be so celebrated just makes me so unbelievably happy. And um, thank you so much. See you, Ma. More success, my love. You
1: too. Uh, I miss you. It's so nice to talk to you.
0: Hey, before I sign off, I just want to tell you guys one more thing. I have a new podcast out. It's called And the Award Goes To, and you can find it on the Broadway Podcast Network or really anywhere you listen to podcasts. It is an incredible journey that I take with 10 Tony winners, where together we listen to their speech that they made the night they won, and then they just take me through their entire Tony experience how the role came into their lives what the role meant to them what the challenges were how it felt to be nominated and more unbelievable how it felt to win and then what it is to wake up the next day after your lifelong dream has happened then what do you do. This 10-part limited series is something that started as a love letter to the Tonys when they were canceled this year and just turned into this whole other adventure. I'm so grateful to my guests, all of whom you love as much as I do. So check out, and the award goes to, you're really going to enjoy it. Clouds can make the window. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this?